the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. Paul writes, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. I mean, before all of this pandemic stuff happened, and hopefully again later, you you ever go to one of those uh, fancy restaurants out in the city? A critically acclaimed Michelin-starred restaurant. And always has the the menu printed out for you. And oftentimes these restaurants, the, the menu is freshly printed. It changes day by day, season by season. Sunday, May 17th, 2020. And right under there is the name of the busboy. No, it's the name of the head chef. And when you walked into that restaurant, you didn't see all these pictures lining the walls of the foyer of all the celebrities who have dined at that establishment shaking hands with your waiter. No, the picture is of the celebrity shaking the hand with the head chef, the boss, the one who is in charge. And when the waiter brings you your meal, he often explains the dish and he intros his explanation by saying, well, this evening the chef has prepared for you a lamb such and such and such. He doesn't place that delicious meal in front of you and say, well, this evening your busboy will be collecting your dirty dishes and crumbs. No. Is the busboy's job important? Of course. Otherwise, when you sat down, your table would still be dirty. There'd still be a paid check and a tip and crumbs from the last diner's bread. Very important, but he's not the most important one. He's not who gets all the credit. It is the chef. And so what Paul is saying is in the same way, don't worship Paul. Don't worship Apollos. Don't worship Sprawl, MacArthur, Tozer, whoever it may be. They are merely doing with joy and fervor what the Lord has given them opportunity and assignment to do. Now, in these first two points, the application here for us is twofold. On the one hand, understand the one who is in control and hands out the assignments. In other words, worship God and not man. Encourage and appreciate those who serve, of course, but give glory to God. On the other hand, take hold of the opportunity or assignment that God has given you. That's not to say you have an official ministry in the church, like church planter, pastor, deacon, usher, even a refreshments coordinator. 
But as a believer, you have an assignment. God has called you to himself, and in that he has given you something to do. Well, what is that? I can't necessarily answer that for each and every one of you. But for one, I know this. What is your assignment? What has God called you to do? Well, when you look at what the Apostle Paul is saying about himself, it's really the same thing. If there are any non-Christians in your circles that you know, what your assignment there is to share the gospel. That's all Paul did. And by God's grace, you may be the agent through whom someone believes by being the messenger of the gospel to that person. There's, a, there's one of your primary assignments. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, there's assignments that we all have that don't change whether regardless of, of your gender or, your, or your, your physical role in a family or a workplace. Things like love one another, confront sin, encourage, admonish, those types of things. But then in terms of your specific role that may be unique to you, that moves on to using your giftedness and your resources. Don't just, don't just plan your schedule and budget and look at your, how much money you have in, in the bank and, and look at your hobbies and your talents and then look at, oh, what do I want to do in my house? What do I want to do uh, uh, today for my, my, my pleasure and my free time? No, uh, take stock of your resources and then say, because of these resources... Because I like to do these things and I do them well. Because I've been educated in this field. Because I am able to do this. Because I am self-taught and able to do this. Can you do that for the church? Because I have this much money and this much time, can you use them for the church? Right now, today, can you get on Zoom? Can you get on your cell phone? Can you call someone, encourage someone, pray for them? doesn't matter if we're meeting together or not. You know, in some ways, maybe it's good that we're not meeting together because sometimes we get in the mindset, we leave church, especially if we're introverts or we didn't get a good night's sleep the night before. We are exhausted by the end of Sunday worship. And we're like, well, I'm done. I've fellowshiped. I've encouraged. I've, I've, I've smiled eating that, that person's baked good that was clearly not right. I'm tired and we feel like we've done our ministry. And then from 2 p.m. on Sunday through the rest of the week until 10 a.m. the next Sunday, we, we haven't done anything for the Lord. We haven't done our, our assigned appointment. We need to take stock of everything that we have and say, how can I serve? Can I do this for others? Can I do this for the church? Can I do this for the Lord? Because you know what you can do? You can turn on Netflix. You can sleep more. You can get the rest that you claim you deserve. Look, I, I, you, you know me. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't rest. That's very important. There's a theology of rest in the scriptures. I'm not saying you can't watch TV discerningly, but watch TV if you must. I'm definitely not saying don't spend time with your family. Don't take a breather. But you and I both know in our heart of hearts that we do it more than we need to. We, we, we shut up our consciences that tell us, listen, you've got to call that guy. 
You got to call that guy. You got to reconcile. You got to encourage. Now, push it back. Go to streaming. Zoom with friends outside the church or whatever because, you know, there's no ministry there. It's just fun. I understand the temptation, but we need to serve. And and I guess what I'm saying underlying all of this is you can't sit back and say, well, uh, I'm good with tech, but Pastor Roger doesn't want me in his house, so I'm not going to help him set up the live stream and this and that, and there's no refreshments right now. And, you know, or, or some of you may be thinking, I have no assignment in the church, but you do. You do. I may have not asked you to do anything. A deacon may not have asked you to do anything. No one in the church may have asked for anything. But you know what you are capable of. And the capability is not just what you've mastered right now as I speak. Your assignment may be what you realize is that you can do better. You have the time to learn something new. We're a young church plant. Most of the people who do things that require some sort of learning or background or education, they learn because, not because they already knew how to do sound, for example, and said, well, this must be my assignment, but there was a need, and so they learned how to do it. That may not be the situation for everyone. You, you may not be able to learn that or be, be gifted in a certain area, but you have time. You have money. And this goes back to living the way you're supposed to live. Some of you don't can honestly say, I don't have the time to do that because you're not living out the basics. Your home is not in order. And so you or your spouse are doing everything. So of course you have no time for the Lord. Of course you have no time for the church because you're not even living out your biblical role of, husband or wife or mom or dad or child, as I talked to the kids earlier this morning about responsibility and helping around the house and at the church when we reopen. That's why all of this is important. You're not going to know and hear what God wants you to do. I don't mean audibly, you know that. But to know what God wants you to do unless you are faithful unless you desire to serve others, unless you love, unless you put others first, you will accomplish much. You will get a lot of things done at home. You will make more money. You will get those projects around the house done. You will organize your closet. You will do all of those things. And to a certain degree, that is important. But we must understand that God called us saved us, died for us, not just to serve ourselves, but to fulfill our roles within the church. And if you are failing in either of those areas, by worshiping men, as the Corinthians were doing or on the cusp of doing, or failing in your service or lack thereof, the root sin is the same. You are not acknowledging God's preeminence in your life. You see that? If you're worshiping a man or a woman or whatever it is, venerating, lifting up unduly, you don't see God's preeminence 
in your life and in that person's life. If you're not serving, you don't see God's preeminence in your life because you don't feel the conviction or the need to do everything within your power to serve God faithfully. And so if you're failing in either of those two areas, I would start there. Worship God, high view of God. Well, let's move on. Seven realities to remember to keep the right mindset about the church. We've seen the agents of salvation. We've seen the appointment of service. Thirdly, the activity of success. The activity of success. Look at verse six. Paul saying, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. The church as a whole throughout human history has been successful. As much as we like to critique and criticize I even had a faithful brother who said he thinks that after a shelter in place, I guess because of technological reach and finances or, or something else, he said he thinks if things don't open up soon, that only the, the, the mega churches, the churches of a couple thousand or more are going to survive. And I just texted him back. I said, my church is going to survive. And people like to critique. They like to criticize. They they like to be negative about the church, but the reality is the church exists, the church is strong, the church is powerful, and the church has changed the world and will continue to do so. The success of the church is due to the outworking of God's plan. That's why it's successful. But understand, again, that God's plan involves various roles and activity among his children. And that starts with every Christian doing their part. And in this particular instance, Paul planted the church and Apollos watered. Of course, the analogy comes from farming. Paul planted the church. He planted the seed. He started the church. Not administratively back then. He didn't find a building, write the bylaws and get tax exempt status or whatever. But what we saw, what we saw was in our first point. He was the agent of salvation. He started the church and that he was the one who preached the gospel to them. And we know that in Acts 18, it tells us that he taught there for 18 months. He led people to Christ, and then he taught them the fundamentals of the faith, giving them the foundation of their faith and Christian living. Then he continued his ministry, as you know, which involved moving place to place. Then Apollos took over. He became the Corinthians pastor. He taught them. He shepherded them. He discipled them. That's the watering that Paul is referring to. And in farming, as in the church, planting and watering are crucial. They are very important. They are huge services. They should never be minimalized, but they are pointless without God. And that's what Paul is saying here. You can throw seed and some dirt. You can find a name for a church, as generic as it may be, like Grace Church of the Bay Area. You may file some papers with the IRS. You may rent a school cafeteria. Important stuff. Throw a seed in the dirt. Then you can water it. You can preach. You can teach. You can disciple. You can teach small group. You can teach women's group. You can lead men's group. You can teach fundamentals of the faith. You can teach a membership class. You can water it. Very important. But you or I will never, ever make it grow. God does that. Not even the greatest farmer 
horticulturalist or scientist can give life to a plant. You see? They can modify a seed. They can make the best dirt. They can create uh, uh, some sort of chemical fertilizer. But only God creates life. And that's what Paul is saying. In other words, no matter how well you plan, no matter how much you water, no matter how clearly you teach, if God does not cause it, it will never be caused. If God does not cause it, it will never be caused. By the way, this is fantastic. The words planted and watered that Paul uses are in a tense in the Greek that indicates that the work is done. Paul's work is done. He planted. Apollos' work is done. He watered. Not that it's 100%, not that they don't need more teaching, but that Apollos' job was done, completed their assignment in the past. However, the Greek word that is translated causing the growth is in a tense that indicates continuous action. God is still causing the growth when Paul wrote this. And in the larger scale of the universal church and every local church that exists today, God is still causing the growth. He is at work. Pastors, preachers, servants, people, they come and go. They live and die. But God's work continues. He's here to stay. Again, a planter and a waterer cannot cause growth. But they can destroy a field. And they can stunt growth. Many of you came to our church because you experienced that. And if there is a rivalry between the workers, you have a problem, as we saw in Corinth. The field, Paul is saying, is not a battlefield where the servants are to fight for supremacy. They must know their place and appreciate the immense privilege of being a worker in the field at all. Friends, there is no place for rivalry. And that's exactly what was happening in Corinth. What's the application for us? Work hard in your ministries, but rely on God. Inherent in that mentality is knowing that God is the one who causes the growth. No matter what the service is, the goal must be growth. It must be salvation. It must be spiritual growth. All our service must have the goal of planting and watering. We must make the, the, the church, the soil, right. We must do our part. And that even involves the small things. Is someone going to uh, kind of grow less or slower in their spiritual walk because the back table at church is a mess? Probably not. But we're excellent. We, we tuck the papers together. We take out the pens that aren't similar. We make sure someone hasn't left their purse or their coffee there because we want it to look nice. We want it to be excellent so that we can facilitate unhindered worship. And I bring up that example because it's something that may seem peripheral or small. We, we can start speaking and spiritual terms and say, well, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we social distance when we get back. It doesn't matter if the 
the rows are crooked. It doesn't matter if the words are cut off on the screen when we sing. We just need to worship. Don't you know we need to worship? Yeah, but all of these little things are doing our assignments well so that people can worship well. It's all part of the plan. And we'll unpack more of this next week. But the goal in everything you do, whether it's how you fold the bulletin or how you announce church discipline, no matter seemingly big or small is what I'm saying, the goal is that you fulfill your role of either planting or watering. And we'll unpack that more next week. So what is your part in all of this? It's not that God can't do it without you or me. Or that we can thwart his will through our laziness or disobedience or lack of excellence. We can't do that. But this is all about a realization of the grace of God to be a part of this work. God is so gracious to let us be a part of this work. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 as each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There it is. You, you, you utilize that grace. You show that grace by serving. What this verse says, 1 Peter 4.10, is saying that you have a gift. You need to use it. If you ever think, maybe I don't have a spiritual gift, you're wrong. Because as sure as you're going to heaven and have the Holy Spirit, you have been given a gift. And then verse 11 just talks about doing everything by God's strength. Back to our context in 1 Corinthians. Even these men that the Corinthians are lifting up as heroes or objects of honor, we see how we all fit in God's plan as servants. I mean, uh, think about it. Where did Paul start? I wanted you to look at these passages. We're running out of time, so I'll just summarize for you. Where did Paul start? He was a persecutor of Christians. He was one who truly was venerated among the Jews and rightly so in their world. And remember the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7 and 8? He was killed for his bold and faithful preaching of Christ. And in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 of his murder, it says, Saul, who was, became Paul, was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. He was a murderer, a killer, a persecutor of Christians. So misguided and wicked was Paul that Christ intervened directly, speaking to him and saving him on the road to Damascus, thus becoming the great and powerful Apostle Paul. God causes the growth. Who was Apollos? In Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 26, he was a Jew. But he was an eloquent man. He was mighty in the scriptures, the Bible says. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was fervent in speaking. And it says, and I'll quote, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. But he was only acquainted with the baptism of John. And he even, like Paul, went out to the synagogue and began to speak out boldly, teaching Christ, and then what happened? Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Even the great Apollos, whom God used powerfully in Corinth and elsewhere, needed other believers to correct 
his theology because God causes the growth. We need to be faithful and rejoice that God causes the growth. In other words, be involved in the activity of success, but know and praise the one who secures that success. We're all involved, but only God can do it. Well, we've seen three of the seven realities to remember to keep the right mindset about the church, the agents of salvation, the appointment of service, the activity of success. Paul writes, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Let's pray. Hi, this is Roger Chen of Grace Church of the Bay Area and our radio ministry, Grace to the Bay. I hope that this series on 1 Corinthians has been a blessing to you. And I just want to encourage you as we come to the end of the year, as we look forward to broadcasting our sermons in 2022, would you prayerfully consider supporting us as we are a listener-supported ministry? If the Lord has led you to do that, you can go to our church website, gracebayarea.org, and just click on the giving link. And we are so appreciative We want to offer this and continue to preach the word and get the truth of God's word out to the greater Bay Area. Even if you are unable to give at this time, would you just go on our website, gracebayarea.org, and send us an email and let us know how we can pray for you or how this ministry has been a blessing to you. Thank you so much, and until next week, have a great Saturday and have a great week. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Tune in next week for a continuation of this message. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through the website gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.